This episode of Press for Time is brought to you by Aver Media, a leader in digital video and audio that's unleashing the power of 4K HDR game capture and streaming for today's PC and console gamers. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Press for Time, a Gaming Age podcast. I, as always, am your host, Tyler Nethers, joined by my dear friend, Benny Rose. Good evening, as always. And our very, very special guest, Mr. Austin Knupp. Hey, that's me. That's you. So, Austin is a good friend of mine. Uh, He is also one of the co-founders of Epitopica, a fellow uh, gaming site and the host and creator of the Speaking Nonsense podcast over at Epitopica. Very active. uh, Yeah, very, very active. When was the uh, the last show? Um, Last year, I think. No, it was more recent than that. I don't know, maybe June? Maybe. I don't know, but they're going to get things rocking and rolling again over there, but for now, he is here joining us, so thank you for being here. Thank you. Making time out of your busy schedule. It is very busy. Yeah. So uh, we are going to jump right in today. Um, We've already had our glorious advertisements that played at the beginning of the show. But real quick, thank you again to Avermedia for making this happen. Um, You know, obviously, you got more information with the commercial. But thank you very much for allowing us to come on and kind of kickstart things again. Uh, Benny, do you want to add anything to that? Hey, you know, the usual thank you, thank you, thank you. We appreciate it. All the support. Uh, it's a great company with some great technology. Uh, we're going to be looking forward to some more future hardware reviews from some of their tech as it comes available. Um, they're going to be talking a little later on some possible streaming opportunities that we're going to have. But, you know, we can get to that a little later in the segment. But that's pretty much, you know, the usual. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we're going to kick things off with something that is video game related, but not so much a video game topic, and not really news, but that's all right. So <laughs> Castlevania, the Netflix series, right? The animated series. Uh, season one is out, right? Well, if you can call it a season. Do you, is that a season? Are four episodes a season? Exactly, especially on Netflix. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, so season one is out on Netflix. If you haven't watched it, go watch it. Uh, if you like the Castlevania games... Go watch that show. If you like anime, go watch that show. If you like good TV shows, you need to go watch that show. And so, if I like none of those things, well, go then watch that show. go watch that show. Yeah, <laughs> just just do it, <laughs> and you'll like one of those three things by the time you're done. Um, season two comes out in October, and uh, we're kind of just re retouching it and uh, re going over some of the things that made the show so good. And some of the things that we think made the show such a success with crowds that wouldn't have necessarily checked something like that out normally. Very good point. Uh, there's so much. I mean, again, we've only gotten a really, really small taste of what the show can be. And, you know, the fan base is extraordinary and the support for it is just incredible because. You know, we look at a franchise like Castlevania and we look at where it came from. You know, you think about Konami. Where is Konami nowadays? Practically non-existing for the most part. And yeah. that's a big uh, 
that's a frustrating part because as gamers, it's something we've kind of been longing for. You know, we do have a quote unquote uh, spiritual successor, if you will, um, in um, Bloodstained coming out. Uh, actually, now delayed till 2019, but that is, uh, you know, a game that kind of takes vein from that being uh, one of the uh, creators or d- the directors of previous Castlevania games. And, you know, people are hoping that, Castle, you know, Castlevania could come back in one way or another. And I think this could be a catalyst to kind of jumpstart that. And, you know, if Konami doesn't want to stop doing just, you know, pachinko machines and um, track and field remakes, which I, 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 will, <laughs> not, I will not get into that. Uh, yeah. I had an appointment at E3 for Konami and uh, they were like, yeah, we have this special game we haven't announced. I'm like, oh man, this would be, wow, you know, I got to take a risk. They had Zone of the Enders, which we knew about, which is cool, but they're like, hey, check out this uh, track and field. It looks kind of like uh, Wii Sports. Oh I boy. Like, I was like, oh boy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> That's and what I came to E3 I, for. <laughs> and it was on the Switch. So I was like, oh, even better. Awesome. <laughs> Is there a Simon Belmont skin that I can throw in there, like Bomberman? You know, yeah, for fifteen dollars. <laughs> but you know, like that's a big part of, you know, where we're at as fans, and you know, it's it's great to see that uh, the franchise is still alive one way or another, and uh, there's a very important person that's part of that, and uh, his name is Adi Shankar, and he is somebody that is just really, he's a fan first you know and he's a producer and he's put a lot of love into things that he grew up with just like us and if you're not familiar with any of his work prior to that um he has a youtube series called the bootleg universe and he's come out with some really great little mini movies that are kind of his own vision his own take on different types of uh series you know he had something for judge dread he was actually a producer on the judge dread movie the good one the second one not the so that's just a little movie that doesn't really exist. <laughs> I don't know why I even know of that movie, but uh, he's also been re- he was responsible for the uh, Power Rangers, uh, pretty much like the mature kind of vision. Which I don't know if you guys have seen that. It's I have. It's it's pretty rad. It that uh, short that short video on YouTube is better than the Power Rangers movie that came out last year. Apparently, I need to watch this. It's, yes. it's it's really good. It's really good. And, uh, you know, it's a really different take. And the one of my most favorite things that he did happened to be kind of his vision of uh, Mr. Rogers, which take, take that as you will, but it's, it's <laughs> awesome. It's almost like, you know, Tyler, I think you'd appreciate it. It's almost like a Forrest Gump kind of like story in a sense. Yeah. It like, talks about like he, he did service in the war and, you know, like they have a guy that just plays him really well and it's really bloody and, you know, it's just kind of flashbacks and goes back and forth between him doing the show. And it's just really, really well done. And, you know, the cinematography is great. And it's just one of those things like you can get some top notch, you know, film like that on YouTube. You don't have to just go. It doesn't have to be a blockbuster movie. And he's done both. And, uh, you know, Castlevania is something that, you know, he is actually very um heavily involved with the social media on facebook and i've been fortunate to speak to him uh several occasions on facebook and he's always posting about the castlevania series and lately he's been teasing uh more and more about season two kind of inclusions of new characters you know i don't know if you've seen any of that 
but uh, I believe I don't want to say it wrong because I didn't. Uh, Castlevania Three is one of the only games I didn't play as a kid, and I have to go back and do it. But I believe the series revolves around Dracula's Curse. So there's yeah. a lot of characters I'm not familiar with. So there is some characters that are potentially coming from like the PS2 era, which got uh-huh. a lot of the fans super excited about. And I do remember, I think it was uh, Curse of Darkness. The the main character from that game is going to be in the series. And I guess the timeline fits. So I think that's pretty cool. And he's, uh, you know, he's shown some concept art. He's shown some other, you know, actual final work from the characters. So it's great to see something like that come out, but also to see somebody that's involved with it, like just actively promoting it and, and getting, you know, people excited about it. So Well, he clearly it, just cares. Like, he cares a lot about the property and about doing it right and making sure it's done the way that he feels does the fandom, the, uh, you know, the service it deserves. Um, so he was, correct me if I'm wrong, he was approached to do the live-action Castlevania movie they were going to do, like, in the, the style of the uh, Underworld movies. And he looked at the script and he looked at the production and he was like, no, no, I don't think so. That's <laughs> uh, That's terrible. And I don't want to have any part of that, so he turned them down. And then they took that script. It was the same script they had originally set to be the animated movie. It just went through, you know, production hell. Ten years later, Netflix picks it up and was like, hey, do you want to produce this? And he was like, well, will I have the creative freedom that I need to do it correctly? And they were like, yep. I was like, okay, cool. So that's when he signed on to executively produce it for Netflix and uh, I guess hasn't looked back since. And it's crazy because that sometimes that's all you need is somebody, the right person with the right attitude and the right creative control to really, you know, gear something like that in the right direction. Because we've been, you know, we've been gamers 30 years plus and there's been plenty of movies and cartoons and animes for like tons of games we've played. And you can probably count on one hand um, how many are actually good. Yeah. Yeah. And I think anime wise, there's not even that many. There's even like there's even a smaller amount that exist. You know, like you have like the Tales games and stuff like that that have animes. But the one that comes to mind for me is Devil May Cry. I don't know if you, either one of you guys ever saw that. Yeah, but, you know, very like, good. You know, I exactly. had one. Yeah, it's actually pretty good. Yeah, and good uh, luck finding it on Amazon. It's like seven hundred dollars <laughs> if you want the complete collection on Blu-ray because they don't make Jeez. it, and the only people that have it now are collectors. But you know what's crazy about it? What's that? They you can stream it on uh, Prime. Yes, yeah, so yeah. That's that's the one perk. But yeah, I mean, perfect example. That's just there was so few in between that were just like, you know, accurate to the show, or even if they weren't accurate, they were just done well enough that you know you can have that cake and eat it too scenario where you can have, hey, I want to just watch it. I don't want to play it. I really liked the uh, the Dante's Inferno animated movie that came yeah. out with the game. Um, and, you know, tying in from one to the other, Graham McTavish, who is Dracula in Castlevania, was also Dante in both the game and the animated movie. And I think right. keeping the same voice actors and keeping kind of the same the same idea and the same story from one to the other made it very successful. That's one of the few, like, video game movie, like, adaptation types that I actually own. So... It is a good one, too. I have that on digital as well. And it's one of my favorite games of that era. It was a very... Too. Austin, how many times do we play that game? Too many. Uh, way more than I can count. 
Yeah. <laughs> like, so many times we played that game. And it's funny, because if you actually had an Xbox still, it's backwards compatible. Yeah, I do not. <laughs> I think I own it on Steam I say now. I think I have it on Steam now. Got it. Well, there you go. So, yeah, Enjoys I mean, there's, your PC there's gaming. so... Yeah, there's, there's so much. I mean, there, we can go the exact opposite now, and there's a Mega Man cartoon coming out, <laughs> and I really don't know how I feel about that. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the trailers for that, but he's no. got, like, a... He's got like a mini me in his head <laughs> that like comes out and like got like a Brooklyn Brooklyn accent. <laughs> it's just bizarre. Ridiculous. And he's like going to school now and like he's like a superhero. Like he doesn't tell people that he's Mega Man. It's just mm-hmm. enough. Yep. It's the exact opposite of the spectrum. You got a company like Capcom. It also had a franchise that was kind of lost in the wind. Granted, they're not making pachinko machines, but they're making games because they. You know, they do other stuff, and eventually they decided they were going to do another Mega Man. So I'm excited for that, but then you come out with something like that, and, you know, there's no... I don't see them even trying to put consistency with that, you know, because you could have tied into the game, just like, you know, Dante's Inferno, and that would have just been clever marketing. And, you know, I think people would really gravitate towards that, because you think about Mega Man 8, let's just say one of the world's games worst voice actings but it's it's a great game in its own bad right i guess i can say you know it had great animation and the voice acting was terrible <laughs> but it was way ahead of its time you know playstation one era and it's just that connective tissue they could have did so much more with that and if you do that now like i think people would just go nuts for that yeah. especially after mighty number no. two came out and dropped the steaming pile all over everybody's expectations you know there's a perfect opportunity to say, hey, you know what, the Blue Bomber's back, and we're going to give you 10 different things, not just, you know, the Mega Man new game that we're coming out. They can go bring Legends back. I mean, let's get ridiculous. You know, there's so much they can do. But, you know, I'll take it. You know, I'll take the game, and, you know, I'm not going to take the crap the anime. You can have that. <laughs> so, Austin, you didn't, you, correct me if I'm wrong, you didn't play, like, old Castlevania. You didn't play until... Uh, I I have only played Lords of Shadow. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. So, what? Wow, what? Yeah, I mean, so... I have experience with the old ones, but I mean, I can't say I've really played them. I wouldn't count anything I've ever done as having played them. Right. So, Fair. going into the show without all that previous game knowledge, did you feel like you were missing anything? Or did you feel like, hey, everything that you really needed to know was explained, and by the end of the first season, you understood what was going on without having played, like, the really old games that it's based off, because Lords of Shadow is totally different than yeah, I mean, the I Castlevania this is drawing from. I can't say for certain that there was anything that I did or didn't miss, since I obviously don't know what I don't know, but, right. like, I, it, it worked for me. It was a good show without knowing all that stuff. So, um, I'm writing an article right now. It'll be up by the time this show goes live um, on Gaming Age about the first season of Castlevania and kind of looking forward to season two and why I think the first season was so successful with all those groups of people, the people that, you know, usually don't like anime or usually don't like video game stuff or have never played the games and why I think Netflix was the right platform for that. So definitely go check that out. Um, like I said, that'll be live by the time this is out. So go do that thing. Um, but that was, like I said, my biggest one of my biggest takeaways was you don't have to have played the games and you don't have to be somebody that's into that 
to watch that show and enjoy it. So I'm sure it would give you some uh, helpful knowledge, but not anything that you need in any way, shape, or form. Right. It's It'll definitely add something to the show if you know the backstory and kind of know where everything came from. But if you don't, you aren't sitting there going, uh, I'm clearly missing something. Yep. So, speaking of missing things, you know who's not missing anything? <laughs> Anybody that's watched the Spider-Man trailers that have come out in the last couple weeks. Because, <laughs> Jesus, have... I mean, what are we, like, nine hours of unique in-game footage at this point for this game? You've already played, seen an entire playthrough? I mean, seriously, like, just from the trailers they've released, like, every day it seems like there's some new 15 minutes of gameplay that the company's releasing. Stop. I, I don't <laughs> want to see any more. I don't want to see any new villains. I don't want to see more combat. I don't want to see more of Peter Parker interacting with other characters. I just... Jesus Christ, the game comes out in like two weeks. Leave it alone for a second. But why? That's too much. I don't I don't think you need to give that much stuff away prior to the game coming out. Half the fun of playing the game is finding those things out and seeing those things and experiencing those things. Um so that's you know, that's the next topic. Hey, are video game companies are video game companies giving away too much in their trailers? And does the constant news cycle from some of these big-name games take the hype away when the game itself actually comes out? So we'll, I, start, we'll start with you, Austin. Yeah, what do you think? I don't think that... I think that movies a lot of times ruin themselves with trailers, but with an overabundance of trailers. But I don't think I've explicitly ever had a game where I was like, I can't play this because I've just seen too much. Sometimes seeing more gameplay makes me want to be the person controlling that same gameplay, even if I'm repeating it. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. So seeing a lot of gameplay, even though it's going to be stuff I've already seen when I get there, there's something about it being the person controlling it at that point in time that makes it a lot better. You don't think, I don't think that... it's ever been ruined for me. Not so much ruined, but you don't think like oversaturated... Like you're less excited because you've been watching gameplay or like specifically with Spider-Man. I'm not hating on Spider-Man. I'm still really excited to play it. But like the pop figures for Spider-Man have been out for a couple weeks. Um, like tons of pre-release Spider-Man merchandise. They, you know, all the different trailers. They're showing all the different characters, these different suits and all this other stuff. Do you think that that kind of numbs you to the excitement somewhat? I gotta say, for Spider-Man in particular, I haven't kept up on most of the trailers. I've seen there's a crap load of them coming out, but haven't watched 99% of them. Yeah. So that's the other uh, big thing. You can just, you can choose not to not to watch that stuff and just, you know, see, hey, I know it exists, but I'm gonna still let myself be surprised by what happens when I play the game itself. How many trailers do you think they've put out so far? I, I have no idea. Like, more than two dozen? Uh, with I mean, between trailers and different gameplay videos, yes. Yeah, then I think that's probably in the excessive territory, <laughs> yeah. So what do you think, that's... Benny? Too much? Too little? It's a gray area. It's a really, really, really dark gray area, because it depends <laughs> on who you're asking. True. 
True, but uh, this is this is just us. This is our opinion. No, no. Well, that's exactly my point. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we can talk Spider Man. In Spider Man's case, for me personally, I played it at E three. I stopped watching trailers because once they showed me most of the villains I'm taking, I felt like that point. Yes, you know what? I don't need to know more. I kind of want to be surprised by certain things, and right. that's my that's my willpower to not search for the game and. You know, don't look at the email press releases and stuff like that. But on the flip side of that, if I was a bigger fan, you know, like I'm a Spider-Man fan, but I'm not a Spider-Man fan like fellow editor Paul. Paul's a huge, huge Spider-Man fan. I know he's really looking forward to it. I don't know if he's read, um, read, you know, read reviews, previews, or even watched most of the trailers. He's usually pretty good with, you know, he stays away because he wants to be surprised, but he might think there's an over overabundance of something we can ask him, but on the gray side, as I said, somebody like me that is a Kingdom Hearts freak and has a game coming out in January and probably owns more merch than will be out after the game releases, <laughs> nothing is fizzled for me. You know, I'm still really excited. I've watched the you know maybe six or seven trailers that exist now over and over again and. You know, I've only played the demo once. I probably could have played it 150 times and still wouldn't be enough. So that's the perfect example of the gray area. It really depends on how passionate you are about something and if you care about spoilers. Kingdom Hearts is a game that I would prefer not to have story spoilers, you know, in trailers. But if you're going to show me worlds and gameplay and characters that are not, critical to the story just like hey you know let's just say iron man's in the game he's not critical to the story but it would be nice to be surprised but if they announce it cool i'll, I'll appreciate that yeah. if you're gonna show me oh by the way Sora's dying you know like there's a hint in there that Sora dies whatever it may be you know i'm gonna be pissed off at that point so i get <laughs> that's that's where i you know draw the line in the sand i guess yeah don't kill my characters off not the in the trailer, iron at least the iron man analogy is funny because that was a lot of the hate that the Spider-Man, going back to movies, the Spider-Man Homecoming trailer got a lot of heat because it showed Spider-Man swinging through the city with Iron Man flying behind him. And people were just like, why Why do you need to show me that? Why couldn't you let that just be a cool surprise moment? Exactly. And it didn't even happen in the movie. No, it did. Did that scene? I thought there was a scene that was removed from the movie entirely. No, I don't think it was that one. There may have been something else, but he's still you still see Spider Man swing by and Iron Man fly right behind him. Got it. But yeah, at least no, I'm pretty absolutely. sure. Maybe maybe I'm wrong, but I um, did take I guess we could revisit that. Yeah. I did get an idea though, real quick before you leave that topic home when Benny was talking about, you know, if you're really dedicated to the games and really hyped up for them, you're probably the person that's hunting down these hundred trailers. And if you're not super hyped anyway, you're probably not going after the trailers. The people that really are excited for the game are probably more excited by seven dozen trailers shoved their direction because they're hyped up for it. Like, I'm sure, as an analogy, there's somebody that you and I both know, Tyler, that's probably jumping in his seat every time a new a new trailer releases for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can say that for me personally, like, if I don't want to see... A bunch more trailers for Sekiro before it comes out. We had our sweet gameplay reveal. We've had, you know, maybe like a, another cinematic trailer would be nice. 
But other than that, I don't want to see any more. I, I wouldn't want a bunch of Dark Souls trailers. Uh, I think, what, Bloodborne had one cinematic and one gameplay trailer, and then it came out. I, I don't want any more information. But maybe I'm maybe I'm just a weird outlier. Um, on the flip side, you know, go March ahead. March is a long time too, so keep that. March up. March is a long time. Um, on the flip side of that, do you think companies announce their stuff way too early? Uh, specifically, like the Final Fantasy VII remake, uh, Kingdom Hearts three stuff like that, where it's announced and then you're left for years waiting, wondering, hoping. Yeah, Last Guardian, <laughs> and years and years and years of hype builds up, even without trailers. And without constant news, but it's just, it's been announced for so long, do you feel like companies are hurting themselves or helping by pushing, you know, trailers and information out so far in advance of an actual release date? I think in a lot of cases, it can hurt the companies, such as in the case of The Last Guardian, I think that that game became a joke after a while. Yeah. Because they were taking so long to actually come to any kind of release date or anything, but they kept talking about it. And then after and, that much time, it's like impossible to live up to the expectations. That's the joke around Half-Life 3. You know, it's not been announced, but everyone's like, well, there's no way that they can ever do it because it will never live up to the expectations that people have for it now, after all this no, time. Half-Life 3 was officially, at, um, like last year, announced as never being a thing. Right. Do you think that might contribute to rest, why? Do you think that might rest, be part of why they're doing it? Yeah, rest in peace, half Probably. Life. Yeah, I don't think it could possibly live up to all... The, I mean, I don't even know if it's hype anymore. Just the sensation built around it and the joke built around it of how it's going to be the greatest game of all time when it comes. Yeah, at this point that, it would be, like, nostalgia-driven. I mean, think of how never, old the Half-Life games never, are. It could never work, no matter yeah. how good of a game. Right. Right. Uh, I think the Final Fantasy about... VII Remake really suffers from it. And the director of the game came out and was like, hey, sorry, we screwed up. We should not have announced that that far in advance. Uh, we're still working. It'll come out. Promise. You know what game worked for you and I that was announced for years and years ahead of time, but nobody else liked on the, the wait? Was... Uh, Duke Nukem Forever. Yeah. yeah. I was I just going to say it. <laughs> I loved that game when it came out, but everybody hated it for the the wait and said that it wasn't worth how long they had been feeding trailers that changed all over the place. I thought that it was a stupid amount of fun. And I, I wish that they would do more with it. But there were those people that had been following it for 12 years and didn't know what they wanted anymore and were expecting way more than it ever could have been because they've been following it so long. So yeah, I think long, long announcements can and probably have a higher chance of hurting a game than not. Yeah. I think you're right. What about you, Benny? With Kingdom Hearts 3, do you feel like you were let on for too long? Or are you just out of your mind with excitement and you don't care how long they made you wait? No, I was definitely frustrated with the delay because ultimately when they announced that it was really a concept, you yeah. know, we didn't even know if the game was started. Right. And, you know, there was so much radio silence for a really long time. And, you know, it's it's fine, you know, that you want to at least let people know that it's coming out. 
you know, I like that they use the words in development versus, you know, coming soon. And, you know, most people said, oh, they delayed it to 20. They never said it was coming out this year. You know, yeah. that was the big, they, you know, they, you know what? They might've said it once. I think they might, I'll take it, I take it back. They, I think they delayed it once. People kept saying they kept delaying it. And it's like, no, they just announced it and they just kept pushing us, waiting, waiting. And I think what happened was last year it was 2018. And then it was, you know, 2019, but now we have a date. So it was only one time, but there was such a long window of nothing. Yeah. Is this this game real? Is this game being made? And then they keep giving us, you know, HD remasters. So, you know, there's a lot of filler, but it's it's great to have them on the PS4 and stuff like that. And, you know, maybe Xbox will get them when 3 comes out since it'll be on that system. Uh, Maybe the Switch will get it. It's getting everything else. But, uh yeah, I mean, could I have waited? Yeah, I would have so been fine. I'm would still you fine. have? Would you have rather they waited? You know, when they they showed their first real gameplay, would you rather they have wait? Would you have rather they waited to even announce it until they had that gameplay ready, or did you prefer so. getting the announcement and then just waiting with nothing for a while and letting them I would, work? I would have taken a trailer with CG, like a CG story trailer. You know, yeah. and the other big thing too is the way they handled a lot of the initial trailers here is everything was in Japanese. Right. And as far as I remember, most of the trailers that we got in the past were, in, you know, they they had them dubbed. It's not a big deal. It's not a deal breaker. But to me, that showed me how far along the development wasn't. You know, wasn't that long on the, you know, where they didn't start dubbing in English yet. Because yeah, they really right. didn't start doing that until this year. So that's why when I was at E3. The, go- the goosebumps were in full effect because it was like the first English trailer. Yeah. And then we got two, you know, so it was just like overhaul. And it was a lot of emotion and, you know, it's it was a long time coming. So it just goes to show you that, you know, if they do it right, look, you're going to get people that are going to be upset, even the fanboys. And, you know, that's just the way it works. But, you know, a game like that is definitely not going to I don't think it's going to be affected the way like Duke Nukem, Half-Life, to different different beast. And yeah. I don't say that I don't say that being a fan. I say that because it's not a game that really has ever been in development hell. They've just really been taking their time with it. That's that's what it comes down to. No, you're right. And, and there's a lot of there's a lot of good faith built up there. Right. Another big part too is if they delayed it any further, it might end up not meeting the end of the life cycle of this console. Right, and then that's when you have issues like uh, the Last Guardian, because mm-hmm. that was between two consoles. Yep. So that was that was a big big issue. Yeah. You know, it was announced for the PlayStation Three and came out for the PlayStation Four. Right? I think I think that Kingdom Hearts to me feels like it's kind of taken over that the hole that Last Guardian was in before it released. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. No. I think a big part too to take away from it is. Um, you know, you look back at a game, I'm going to go even further, okay? I'm going to go back to GameCube. you guys remember Eternal Darkness? No. Can I tell you I didn't have a GameCube? Fair enough. I know I'm old. I apologize. <laughs> well, I had, I had a GameCube, but I'm not familiar with Eternal Darkness. Okay. Eternal Darkness was a game uh, by Crystal Dynamics. It was a uh, survival horror on its own, and uh, it was early in the cycle, and it was it was unique. It had like these really weird atmospheric uh, things that would happen, like the 
the game, like you would start having like almost like nightmares and the game would get weird. Like the, the screen would go upside down. Like the TV would go to video three. Like it would just do wacky stuff and you didn't know. If it, and then there was a point where like your head would fall off or you, you would, you would die in the game, but like you'd snap back to reality and you weren't dead. It was just like really trippy. So the, like, it sounds like Psycho Mantis in a way from Metal Gear. Yeah, I mean, that was part of the mechanics of the gameplay. And, like, you played through different time eras. Like, you'd think you played as, like, uh, I guess, descendants of one person. Like, the main character was, like, a female in the present time. And you'd play as, like, a, a Roman guy. And just, you kind of went back and forth. It really it was, it was twisted. I haven't played it in a long time. But the reason I'm bringing it up is because that was a game that when it came out, you know, it had a lot of... You know, a lot of people liked it, but had a cult following, but it didn't do well enough. And it was a big part of it was because it was originally for supposed to be for the N64. And it got delayed and delayed and delayed. And then people just forgot about it. And then they just happened to put it on the GameCube. And I think most people that bought it on the GameCube didn't even know it was coming out for 64. Or that it was announced for 64. So it just goes to show you, like, perfect example, like, you know, depending on when you do it and what game it is and type of cycle it goes through and how much support it has and it can really get affected by that. So, you know, Square is doing the right thing. I think also they took advantage of the anniversary for Kingdom Hearts. Um, Square has been pumping stuff out. You know, they got Tomb Raider, they got Just Cause. Um, they have a lot of mobile games they're actually pretty successful with. So um, Life is Strange, you know, I can go on and on. They have tons of games. So, I, but I think that Kingdom Hearts is like top of their caliber right now, you know, other than uh, Tomb Raider. So I can't see it. I'd be really surprised if it just came out and it flaked, you know, like the game, like this is like half the game it's supposed to be. But yeah. it's possible. It's definitely possible. They could also delay it again. But, you know, the fact that they put a hard date on there and they released all the pre-orders and, you know, all these other collectors, you know, additions and stuff, there's... Yeah, I'm thinking it'll come out on time, uh, especially with the, like you said, the console. You know, they've got an actual game right. system. Sony doesn't really let you do a custom game system and then not deliver. Exactly. You made, so, you made me think of something when you were talking a minute ago. You made me think about something about what perc- what percentage of people buying a game do you think are the people that are really hardcore paying attention to the ways these things take forever to come out versus what percentage of people are just walking in, uh, oh, Kingdom Hearts 3, I'm going to buy that, and, and hadn't been paying any attention to all of this stuff. Just the casual gamers that aren't watching E3 every year or waiting for things to come out. What, like, I feel like that's probably the biggest market most of the time, isn't it? I'd, I'd say it's an 80-20 split, like 80% of people are just like more casual or they know the name or they kind of pay attention to E3 but then don't think about it anymore. And then like 20% are the hardcore like, hey, I, I'm here today because I know this is this is it. This is what I want. Um, yeah, I, I think those people kind of create a buffer safe zone for a lot of these games that take a long time to release because those people aren't aren't disappointed by the amount of time it takes. Yeah, they're not sitting at home counting down the days to that release date. They're kind of paying attention, and when the game comes out, they'll go, "Oh, hey, yeah, that game came out. It's time for me to go pick it up." But they're not—they're yeah. not going into the local game stores and, you know, asking and pre-ordering and everything else. They're just kind of like, "Yeah, whatever. When it comes out, it'll come out." 
and I'll play yeah, it then. That, that, that's exactly what we do. So that, that's exactly what we do. Do you know who is not a casual? I, 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 I didn't pre-order my game seven years ago. <laughs> yeah, no, you were you were a, a totally different beast, Benny. I have um, issues. Yeah. Send help. Send help. Send cookies. help. So help. We we need to help the Fortnite kids and oh the goodness. teachers that decorate their classrooms like Fortnite and the parents that are hiring tutors to teach their kids how to get better at Fortnite and all of that. We got the wrong jobs. <laughs> we got the wrong jobs. We got the right jobs because I, I couldn't teach a kid how to play Fortnite. <laughs> Use the mouse to aim. Yeah. I could teach him how to dance. That's about it. That's right. I got rhythm. <laughs> so what do you guys think about this Battle Royale shenanigans? I mean, I know Fortnite wasn't the first. You got PUBG and Fortnite is the huge one right now. But Call of Duty's doing their own Battle Royale mode. Battlefield's doing their own Battle Royale mode. Uh, there's a new Battle Royale game coming out on PC by the creators of Stalker. And uh, uh, which, what is it? Stalker... Fall of Pripyat or whatever. Yeah. And that just seems to be like the hot thing right now. There are Viking Battle Royale games. <laughs> oh, there's another one coming. Cyanide and Happiness has theirs. Cyanide and Happiness has a Battle Royale game. <laughs> like, that's... Di- Dying Light. Is Dying Light is doing Battle Royale. Yeah. Yep. Good. Yeah. I think it's a great format idea more than it is a great action idea. I, it sounds good and looks good and seems like a great idea, but for me, every time I play any of these Battle Royale games, I get into them thinking it seems so awesome, it's going to be fun, and then I die, and then I don't know why I spent the time playing this last 30 minutes. Yeah. Because you um, just lose everything. So my my take on it is it's the it's the streaming culture that we have right now. The game is more popular because the people watching other people play it than it is for the people playing it themselves. Um, I mean, I know everybody everybody plays it to an extent, but I think it really garnered the popularity it did because of streamers playing the game for 16 hours a day. Definitely. Just constantly, constantly putting out content about these games. What do you guys think... Um, it's going to stick around. Do you think that in 10 years we're still going to be talking about Battle Royale games? Or there 5 might. years? Or do you think it's going to fade out in a year or two? There will probably be that one that finds out how to do it right. That'll probably stick around for a good amount of time. You know, like the Dota of the or Dota or League of Legends of the world. Yeah. The, I'm sure there will be one that just figures out what, what it's doing and that one will stick around. But Do you think Fortnite is that one? Uh, maybe. I mean, honestly, there's that's got such a huge following. It's almost ridiculous. It it is ridiculous. I mean, they're making what millions of dollars every day. They also they have a very good way of treating all of the people who play. They keep people coming back because they actually change things all the time. I don't like the game, like I said, very much, but I see the appeal and. They do a lot of customer, um, I don't know the word I'm Centric, looking for. Centric. Definitely. Yeah. Like, they gear stuff knowing what, what the players want. There's a story that is happening inside of it. I don't know if you even know that. There's, like, a whole storyline that's happening within the world, and people have 
people get on at certain times and you can see large events change the map and stuff like that. Like they've had meteors that they script in that strike at specific times of the day that destroy entire portions of the map and you can walk you can get on and watch it all happen. They do a lot of things to draw people back. Yeah, the the season the seasons, like the monthly or whatever it is are it is. They're on season five now. And like, you know, the the imagination is everything. They can go anywhere, do anything. Like right now they put like kind of superhero antics in there and they had a, a rift in the dimension torn like when they did the meteors and stuff. And it's it's crazy because you think back for people that, you know, knew about Fortnite when it first came out and the Battle Royale wasn't even like the main focus. You know, there was an entire single-player mode of the game that, you know, pretty much got lost in the wind. It didn't do well. That was a big part of the physical sale. And then they just tried their luck at the Battle Royale. And what happened was it was first to console. It was easy to play. And it was just, overall, it was user-friendly. And it's free. free. Yeah, Yeah. it's free. You have to pay for the campaign portion of it, but the Battle Royale part's free. And they still make millions of dollars a day. Hey, microtransactions. Yeah, and you know what's crazy about that is those microtransactions do nothing, right, for your character. It just is cosmetic. Cosmetic. Mm-hmm. Insane. Well, let me look at Counter Strike Go. People selling those stupid gun skins for like twenty thousand real dollars. Yeah, crazy. You people are. That's just insane. I don't know. I think it'll die out. I I want it. I hope it dies out. I just put it that way. I will stand firmly in the camp of I don't like Battle Royale. And maybe it's just me being a crotchety old man, (laughs) but it doesn't do anything for me. I hope a game perfects it to a way that is enjoyable, because as it is right now, it's really hard to find an enjoyable nature in the two big ones, you know, PUBG versus Fortnite. They just... If you can spend the time to get really good at the games playing all day, then... You can find a lot of fun in them, but if you're somebody who can't be on every day, all day playing them, you get outclassed by a lot of the people, and when you get outclassed, you waste 30 minutes just to die without firing a shot, and then you have to do it all again. Yeah. I think Call of Duty might break the mold. Being, I think um, so. Being a first-person shooter, I mean, Battlefield's going to do it too, but I think there's something about Activision definitely takes a different approach. And I think that there's something in there with the way their map is designed. And, you know, you're going to get aerial vehicles, sea vehicles, land vehicles. And, you know, I'm not a big Call of Duty fan. I do play it, you know, casually. But I think that that might be the one that might turn people's heads. You know, we'll we'll see how it does. I mean, Call of Duty was the every man's game before. Now it's Fortnite. (laughs) I feel like you have to detach the one that Call of Duty's making from what Fortnite and PUBG are because I would almost classify it as like the one Call of Duty's making almost looks like a distant cousin to what PUBG and Fortnite are because while it resembles it vaguely it doesn't really seem the same. Yeah. Well, here's my big thing is I don't know I don't know how Call of Duty can dethrone Fortnite because Fortnite is free, Call of Duty 60 bucks. Fortnite is the kitty graphics and, like, relatively parent-friendly. Call of Duty is still Call of Duty. 
and Fortnite is available freaking everywhere. <laughs> yeah. PC, consoles, phones, tablets. Surprised they don't have a Palm Pilot running Fortnite somewhere. Like well, it's it'll be coming to Alexa. Yeah, coming to Alexa. <laughs> it it's everywhere. Whereas Call of Duty will be Xbox, PlayStation, PC. Well, the thing that dictates a lot of the player base in reality is where the esports people go. Yeah, very. Even true. if they're if they're if they all leave the free game, people aren't being drawn to it for the same reason. Like you said, a lot of it's from the streamers and stuff. Why people go over and start giving attention to these games? The streamers have some level of relation to the esports community as well, and all of them flock over to the better one, even if it's not free and it's a $60 game, that'll be the one everybody starts paying attention to. Yeah. Well, we're running uh, running low on time here, so I've got a couple a couple things to bang out real fast. Um, first, we talked about it last week. We went into detail on uh, Death's Gambit, the uh, Souls-like 2D kind of platformer-ish, but not really game. That I've been playing, it is still absolutely fantastic. I love it even more this week than I did last week, <laughs> and the review for that should be up uh, at the same time as this podcast as well. If not, maybe just a little bit later in the week, um, but it'll be out this week for sure. And uh, in PC-centric news, NVIDIA at uh, Gamescom today announced the RTX 2070, 2080, and 2080 Ti graphics cards. All with available Founders editions, uh, starting at four ninety nine for the twenty seventy base model, going all the way up to twelve hundred dollars for the twenty eighty Ti Founders edition. Um, I am not going. I'm not going to bore everybody by talking about giga rays per second and uh, how many how many TRTX ops it has and how many RT cores there are, but. Uh, Go online, check it out. NVIDIA's got all the information up on their website. You can pre-order the graphics cards today. Um, I know their website's been a little iffy with people you know, kind of flooding it, at least to get information. I doubt they have a huge flood of pre-orders, but flooding it for the information. Um, but the graphics cards will be out on September 20th, which is a really fast turnaround. Wow. And that is super cool. Um, all the standard uh, partners are going to be involved You've got Asus, EVGA, Galaxy, Gigabyte, uh, MSI, Zotac, among others. And uh, you can pre-order it from Amazon, from NVIDIA's website, Micro Center, Newegg, like all the regular places that you can get this kind of stuff. Um, but the big driver to pick this up, and the reason I think they've got the launch so soon, is they've actually partnered with uh, Game Studios to bring this new, what they're calling their real-time ray tracing and AI to the games. So games like Battlefield Five, um, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, Metro Exodus, uh, Atomic Heart, all these games are going to take advantage of these new um, capabilities. So I am very excited to see what's going to happen. Um, I'm definitely going to be, if not a day one, a very early adopter. So we will we will have more information on that at the time. But that's a really big deal for PC people. So excited go online check those out uh give us some feedback if you want to talk about graphics cards austin and i can talk about graphics cards with you all day all night 
Unless you want to talk about AMD, then I can't help you. I, I can't talk about any. <laughs> um, so in addition to kind of relaunching the podcast, Aver Media, if I can say the name, they're going to they're gonna drop us because I keep screwing up their name. Um, Aver Media is helping us out getting a stream off the ground. Um, we really don't have any details for that yet, so we're looking for feedback from you guys, the people that actually listen to the show. What kind of stuff would you like to see Benny and I stream? Um, we're each going to try to stream one day, either every week or every two weeks. Um, we'll come up with more of a schedule and get that up on the website once we've established it and know that we can commit to it. But uh, give us some ideas. What kind of stuff would you like to see? We're looking at maybe one to two hours, one day a week. And uh, what kind of games would you like to see? Which kind of, what kind of content would you like to see us produce for those streams? So please, please, please give us feedback. Um, you can send it to either of us on Twitter, or you can send it to the actual podcast Twitter, or do we still have the email set up for the podcast, Benny? Yes, we do. And what is that email, sir? Pressed, the number four, time at gaming-age.com. So feel free to send us suggestions there or anywhere. Just, just get after us on any of those platforms and send your uh, feedback and suggestions um, in addition to feedback and suggestions, we have been contacted by um, PR company for that handles uh, the Elder Scrolls Online, and we have the Wolf Hunter DLC game pack to give away. So that's if you're not familiar with ESO or that DLC, it's going to have two new dungeons: the Moon Hunter Keep and the March of Sacrifices, which has new gear sets, collectibles, stuff like that. A whole new battlegr- Battlegrounds map, which is a Asterius Outpost. The Respect 2.0 system, which people have been asking for for a long time. Uh, they completely rebuilt the Werewolf skill line and a ton of new PvP content. So all of that is available in the Wolf Hunter DLC, which we have a code to give away for PC only, unfortunately. So it's just for, just for the PC players, um, but that includes me. So if you want to get that and get on and play, we can do some playing, but... Same deal. Uh, get after Benny or I on Twitter or uh, send us an email at pressfortime at gamingage.com and uh, we will announce a winner next week. So if you want to do that, check it out and uh, one of you will win that DLC. Uh, yeah. Benny, do you want to add anything before we close out here? Nah, I'm good. Nah, I mean, look, there's, there's always always room to talk. We have so much uh, going on, I think the news-wise, I think it's pretty been been pretty quiet. Other than what we addressed, uh, Gamescom is happening now, so a lot of stuff is uh, going to be coming up. There was one thing I'm a little excited about: um, Grandia One and Two getting HD remasters coming to the Switch. Pretty excited about that. Uh, I missed a lot of the other emails. I have to catch up on that, but that was a big deal. I loved uh, Grandia Two. Never actually got to play the first one, so a little excited to uh, give that a try. I don't know how similar it is to the second game, but I really enjoyed playing two back on uh, the Dreamcast and PS2. Yeah, I never played, so that's all new to me. Cuckoo? Yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty much, you know, next next week we can discuss some other stuff. There was We were going to talk about some video game music and how it influences, uh, you know, the game that you play and does it make or break your experience and 
a lot of other, you know, off-topic, non-news-based stuff we can discuss uh, next week's show. Uh, Mr. Austin, anything you would like to plug, talk about before we cut out of here tonight? Um, I mean, I guess I can mention uh, the website that I have, even though it's been dead for a while. Yeah, I'll say that I'll try to bring it back sometime. <laughs> <laughs> no promise it'll happen, though. But I do have a podcast of my own that hasn't been uploaded to in a long while. But I would like to see something come back to it. So, I mean, you can keep an eye on it if you like. It's named Speaking Nonsense. It is surprisingly the only one on the entire podcast uh, depository named Speaking Nonsense. So searching for it should show it up. Uh, also, the website's name is epitopica.com. E-P-I-T-O-P-I-C-A. You can check them out. I think Braden is doing a lot of work to kind of try to revitalize things. And uh, he is also getting into streaming as well. So if you want to hear more about his project, you can uh, contact him. What is the best way to get a hold of you, Austin? Uh, you can look at me on, whew, that's the easiest way, Twitter probably. It is Colossus, C-O-L-O-S-S-U-S, 252 on Twitter. So get after him on Twitter. Tell him you want to see him do more stuff and be more involved. Let him know. <laughs> let him know that you, the people, want his sweet, sweet content. Um, as for Benny and I, I am at that games guy on Twitter. Benny is at it's Benny Rose. Um, again, you guys can contact us on there or through the email pressed for the number four time at gamingage.com and. Uh, we have a Twitter for the podcast and the podcast only. That's GA underscore pressed for time, right? That is correct. Cool. So any of those places, feel free to contact us. We love uh, feedback and love interacting with you guys. So I know we had a really good, really positive response to last week's kind of revitalization episode. So keep uh, keep supporting us, and we'll keep keep doing stuff for you. And on the plus side of that, too, the more uh, shows we get out and more people listen, uh, the more giveaways we can have. We have For some sure. uh, really cool stuff that we ended up not giving away uh, last year that we are still holding on to. And as we get uh, a little further down the line before the end of the year, we'll be sure to give uh, away some really, really awesome physical prizes. You know, we're going to still give away digital codes when we have them, but we got a couple of special things hidden on the side that are uh, very unique, rare stuff that you can't really get anymore. And uh, we hope to be able to give that away sooner than later. So as we grow that follower, you know, fan base, we'll uh, pump some stuff out for you guys. So we're looking forward to doing that. Well, thank you guys as always for being here with us tonight, Benny and Austin. Thank you guys for being on the show and uh, being a part of this. And that'll do it for this week. Have a fantastic week, everybody. And thank you again. Take care and have fun.